Welcome to the Non-Breaking Space Show. From Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, I'm Chris from Canada, and on today's show, the Internet's Christopher Schmidt welcomes back Simon St. Laurent. They review Star Trek Discovery, what iPhone X's notch means for web design, the hacking of billions and billions of accounts in the care of businesses that should know better, and much more. Before we get started, there's some things you need to know. The UX Design Newsletter is a weekly list of articles, tutorials, and inspiration handpicked by Christopher Schmidt. Sign up at uxdesignnewsletter.com and have the best links of the week sent to your email. Set it and forget it with the Non-Breaking Space Show newsletter. Whenever a new show is ready, be notified in your inbox by signing up at newsletter.nonbreakingspace.tv. You can find show notes and links for this episode at nonbreakingspace.tv. Be sure to follow Christopher on Twitter at Telejekt, T-E-L-E-J-E-C-T. And as always, thanks for telling others about the Non-Breaking Space Show. Now, on with the show. Countdown. Number seven. Star Trek Discovery is out. This is the first Star Trek uh, series in about 10 years. I think uh, Voyager or Enterprise was the last one that was up, that was out there. And uh, I have a weird relationship with Enterprise. In fact, it's kind of like my first Netflix time shift experience, what I call like a time shift, is that okay. you binge watch a show Um you know, after it's been on, like, 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 and that was my Star Trek Enterprise because I, I watched the first couple seasons, but then life happens, and you're like, okay, okay, okay. you know, this is before Netflix, before the video demand, and so, so I come back. Oh, hey, there's Netflix. There's a show. I didn't know how it ended. I mean, I watched the season finale, but there's all this like, you know, war thing that happened in the middle of it, and it's like, oh, let me just binge watch it, and then I go to Comic Con like the next week after, and Scott Bakula. I have a, I have a, like one second encounter with scott bakula who is the captain of right. enterprise so literally this show just happened in my mind <laughs> right so and then, and then it was like so i'm talking about star trek enterprise and he's like i'm at i'm on you know i have another hit show <laughs> you know i moved on and uh and so i don't know what's uh where you going to talk about it so i left so I that conversation like wow i'm a weird fan i thought that's a weird fan <laughs> encounter i just had with scott bakula and so uh but yeah, so that's like that's why I call it like the Netflix time shift. <laughs> it's like you think it yeah. just happened, but really the actor is like moved on. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because it used to be that like you know movies would happen, they'd be gone. Yeah, this was just totally normal. Then eventually, like the VCR appeared. Yeah, and now DVDs and now Netflix, and so you know, I have friends who still get upset if you give spoilers about The Sopranos. And how old is that? <laughs> yeah. So. Oh man, yeah. So. But yeah, it, so it, it becomes, for me, it was kind of sad. It is a little bit sad when I see, um, I'm a, a trained graphic designer, but it's kind of sad for me when I see movie ads, uh, you know, from the 80s or like, you know, even 60s or 50s, like whenever I wasn't around for movies that people put a lot of work and effort into making a movie. And there's all this promotion to make this movie and this artwork, the design work is like no longer used because this movie 
has no way to get to an audience. And now we have Netflix and, you know, Hulu and all. So that artwork that was used for promotion material is now like having another life, you know, if they saved all the artwork and, and moved on. So, and um, I've no, I have an emotional relationship to ads and art design work. <laughs> I don't know, but, uh, but it made me sad. But now like it's, it's now like you see Netflix is like, when it initially came out, they used the original like movie poster artwork for the little poster frames and, and they, they've changed the sizes over the times, but, but now they've grown beyond that. And actually they are actually making their own custom Netflix, uh, rectangle artwork pieces and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool in that regards saying that, but, uh, this is way off from Star Trek Next Discovery, but, uh, That's okay. but, uh, but yeah, so, but, uh, my review, I'm not really happy with the show, uh, personally, cause, uh, and one, I'm hoping this is attributed, attributed to the fact that there was a lot of production, um, snafus. They actually took a year off, not a year off, they did move, pushed it back a year for the launch. And, uh, and, um, the, the lead showrunner, uh, left. Um, and so, um, I think he did the show Hannibal, uh, which is like really great. Like, I think it's almost like a work of art as someone would say, like, it's not really a typical TV show, but looked great, had a great style. And, um, I think apparently he was a big Star Trek fan. And so he was, but I don't think he, he was up to, you know, he wasn't really into running a big multi-million dollar Almost, almost like a hundred million dollar show, I guess. Yeah, I mean, shows have shows have become as big as movies. That's, <laughs> and I mean, obviously they're longer, but it's just mm. it's amazingly intricate and wow. Right. Yeah, and then I think people, I don't think the movie industry is, um, dying. I just think people just want really good content, and uh, mm-hmm. people will watch a TV show that's like ten episodes long. That's like ten hours on Netflix without even blinking an eye, but going to a really bad movie for two hours someplace away from their home was just like, you know, that's, that's really you, like, that's something Hollywood has to get their head around. Right. You can't escape. Yeah. Like you really so. need to, you need to put a good, you know, a good showing on, on there for that. I, I did survive the, the Lego Ninjago movie. So oh, really? it is possible. Oh, yeah. oh man. Well, Lego, like, was it, was it, was it as good as like a Batman Lego or, like a Batman um, or, or no, well, I haven't seen the Batman one. It was definitely not as good as the original Lego movie. Right. Um, it was mostly okay until like the last 10 minutes of bizarre father son monologue stuff. No. Oh, um, okay. And then it just got weird. It was one of those movies where there's like all of these awesome moments, but it doesn't really gel. Right. Um, it didn't. And also I, I guess actually it had some of the same issues that like Star Trek has with the series and the movies. Cause Ninjago was a, bizarre animated series with really flatly contradictory plots all the time. Um, but then the movie, you know, changes things more. So, you know, what's your tolerance for <laughs> evil villains turned entertaining wisecrackers? Yeah. Uh, you know, is this, how much change can you make? Right. Uh, yeah. It sounds like they've, they had some issues too. So it sounds like Star Trek had bigger issues. Yeah, so the first two episodes, well, <clears throat> this is a spoiler, so people don't want to listen to it, but here's my rant is about it, is that uh, at this time, it's between, you know, I don't, I don't really care about the where you put this show in the whole timeline of Star Trek. 
because you have the issue of Star Wars prequels, right? Technology has moved along so well yes. that, you know, it's going to look better than, you know, Star Wars, you know, A New Hope, no matter what you're going to do. So, uh, but somehow that they ended up making terrible movies in the prequels. But anyway, so the show's going to look way better now than if you try to place it before or after Kirk and Spock. Right. You know, right. <clears throat> so I, I don't really care about that part. Um, and so in the story, no one's really talked to the Klingons or they, but they know about the Klingons for like a hundred years or whatever. Everything's like a, like an uneasy piece for so long. And so people know that Klingons are a warrior race, right? And so, but they haven't really talked to them. And so the show for the first two episodes talks about how Klingons are, it basically it's Klingons in a conference room in space talking monologuing about how they should work together and be one which is like you know you Klingons, you know you're a warrior race right you like to fight right and so it's just like kind of weird for like two episodes or like just talking in this well, one room clearly the world needs more shows where we have you know people talking in conference rooms in foreign languages <laughs> yeah yeah and, and it's Klingon it's not like straight Klingon and then we transition to English Right, it's just like straight up Klingon. And and then for there's, like the, there's an audience for that, right? Yeah. And then it's a typeface. I think it's Mrs. Copper. Uh, I forgot what the name of it, but it's like a uh, it's a really nice looking font, but it's not a one font that makes it super legible for fast reading because it's a serif font. And it's, it's just, it looks, it's a, it's a font that you use for headings. It's not a font that you would use for, for like just paragraphs and granted, you know, when you do captioning, it's not a big paragraph of text, but it's a quick line. But like right. after a while, my eyes were like, okay, I'm done with right. <laughs> this, like this font. And, um, so yeah, so they speak clean on the entire time. There's no real translation. My, what I don't get is like, okay, even though they they haven't spoken to Klingons for a while. They know the fact that uh, Klingons are, um, are an alien race. The Federation, which is like ultimately a collection of mm -hmm. alien races, just drops the ball and talking to Klingons. Like, hey, we know they're a warrior race, so we should respect that. Uh, and, so, and so an admiral of the Federation says like, hey, that's great that we've like stopped this fighting, which they eventually get around to fighting. Uh, spoiler. Uh, is that, uh, and so we came to a, a stall in the fighting and say, okay, great, let's talk. It's like, oh, great. So, because, like, as long as we're not, if we're fighting, we're not talking, it says the Federation person to, to Klingon. I'm like, you know, if there's anything I know about Klingons, is that they like to fight. So, I'm not really sure how this line, it sounds right. dramatic, but it just like, it just rings so hollow in terms of like, I think we understand that the Klingons pretty well at this point, right? I think, I think, I think we get it, right? And then, so Klingons love fighting. What's the next thing they like to do? They like to honor their warrior dead, right? That's like the next thing we know, right? right. Nothing is greater than someone who's died in battle for an honorable cause, right? In an honorable way, right? So you have right. all these Klingons, dead bodies floating out in space, spoiler. And so what does the Federation do that, you know, they can't do anything because they got like ambushed? They plant a bomb and desecrate a Klingon warrior's body, which is apparently not in the Geneva Convention that you're supposed to do that, right? So, <laughs> so, so the, right away, the Federation has like the writers of the show. I'm just like, 
I'm not sure they've done it intentionally and they'll come back to it and say like, oh yeah, that was a really big, bad boo-boo that we did. But, uh, but I Generation don't... Generation gone evil? No, they're actually like really good on themselves, right? They're like, hey, we're in space. Cool, we're doing stuff, you know? And uh, so they're not evil. But that does take me to the next part is that uh, they've actually kind of like, you know, Gene Ronberry's like, Federation is like this, you know, space Western, but uh, Federation is like, this ideals like and you can't can't be corrupted right which they kind of like you know once after gene's passing and deep space nine they kind of like they moved away from that you know a little bit so uh so they have characters of all sorts and types and stuff like that but uh, you find out in the, in the last episode that the federation has this kunk works program that's kind of evil ish but not really ish okay. but so it's just like so basically we violated so many tenets of star trek Within the right. first three episodes, but I will tell you this: it looks great <laughs> doing I'm, I'm it. Glad I'm glad it's visually compelling. Yeah. I just are they creating a clone army? Are we going to cross the streams? I just, I don't know. It just it seems it does not sound like Star Trek. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and so I'm not a big fan, but I totally understand that CBS is like making the show as a keystone to its online subscription service, and so uh, so you know, I think that's a good play. Um, but I will say like the thing that got me kind of weird about uh, the subscription, subscription, subscription service is that, uh, it costs like six bucks to join. Right. Uh, but then if you don't want commercials, it's 10 bucks. So the difference between being annoyed by commercials per month is $4. That's what, that's what it costs to, to not have commercials. So I'm, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I'm willing to like put aside a budget of like 20 bucks a month for no one to give me commercials. And that's a graphic designer talking to you. So, so. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I think you may have actually found the answer to all of our woes. Well, maybe not all of them, but yeah. many of them. Right. But I have one sad question. The yeah. caption font, was it Papyrus? No, it was not Papyrus. <laughs> so. Was it Comic Sans? No, it was not Comic Sans. No, but yeah. Uh, so our next story is, I, that, is uh, you want to bring the next story? Number six. I was on the papyrus thing. I just, I was, I was amazed by how even my not graphic designer friends responded to the Saturday Night Live piece. So um, maybe there's something, uh, something potent in papyrus that we've all been dreading. Right. So like, so the Saturday Night Live was like, uh, <clears throat> like threw me for a loop because, you know, I knew about the, you know, the whole papyrus font in the Avatar logo. Mm-hmm. crisis when it first came out but i felt like only graphic designers care about this thing and and then so <clears throat> so i felt like oh no one really cares about it but it is kind of annoying it's something to talk about to other graphic designers so but uh, it was kind of like when i saw the skit you know on, on monday or sunday about it i was just like holy cow <laughs> they made not a secret anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love the part at the end when, like, the, he's crashed into the fire hydrant and he's just totally wet and freaking out. Yeah. I, yes, I, I have. Okay, I've never worked with graphic designers in quite that situation, but <laughs> it yeah, seems appropriate. Yeah, I do like the analogy of uh, of a of kid just grabbing leaves from the from the tree. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Yes, and then uh, uh, him flipping the table over. I thought that was really yes. Good. <laughs> Yes, 
That was brilliant. You, yeah. The therapist clearly didn't see it coming. So. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, oh, you know the sequels? Oh, man, that was so great. It was so good. So definitely uh, something to check out. Online. Yeah. So cool. Yes. Right. So that's the case where the, the design didn't change for the sequel. But for the iPhone, it seems to keep changing in lots of little pieces. Mm. Number five. All right. So our next next story is the uh, the iPhone notch X notch. Yeah. Well, um, for one, uh, you know, I, I, Apple, you know, the whole product line that they that they announced, like Apple TV, 4K, um, Apple Watch, the new I guess Series Three. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I think Series Three is what they're calling. I think they've all been very popular. I think uh, the production's been pushed out like by a month. If you want to buy them, and mm-hmm. so I think it's personally, I'm not sure what you, th- what you think about the new watch with the uh, cell phone um, put into it. The, apparently, like the, the downsize of the battery life is is bad, but you know it's it's Dick Tracy on a watch almost, right? Right. I think like half the audience really wants that, and the other half is like, man, my battery life sucks. Right. So yeah, I just didn't. I feel like it's a it's amazing how far we've gotten with the batteries, but at some point, you know. We'll need a quantum shift in batteries technology because I just don't know how we can squeeze more out of batteries than what we have already. But, uh, but yeah, but I, I find it's crazy that you can just leave your cell phone uh, for a little bit and uh, and uh, still make a phone call. You can't make a; it's only like an hour max for a phone call. But you know, people just don't talk that much on a phone right now. So I don't know. But uh, yeah, but yeah. So I think those products are great. Uh, people made a big deal about the iPhone eight. Not selling very well, but the iPhone 8 looks exactly like iPhone 7. And so yeah. it has better hardware to some degree, but, um, you know, people are still buying them, but not as, they're not waiting in line uh, for it. And so people like thought like, hey, iPhone X is the first major stumble for, for Apple and the iPhone. But I just feel like they uh, uh, people are just waiting for the iPhone X for the full bleed screen. Uh, for yeah, I don't feel like it's a... Stumble. Yeah. Um, I feel like, yeah, I mean, they did something different with releasing the two models at different times. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a big chunk of the Apple audience in particular that, you know, buys their phones as bling and the latest and greatest is really critically important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, personally, I'm enjoying having a slightly out of date Android phone, but uh, that's just because I'm strange. Um, you know, dividing things up that way automatically makes the numbers look lower. Um, and it's not even just that, like, all of these people who would have bought an iPhone 8 if there wasn't an iPhone X, uh, you know, haven't done it. There, there are going to be people who wait for the iPhone X to come out just to see how it is. Yeah. And then then they're going to make their decision. They're not going to make their decision ahead of time. Um, so I think on, on that score... It makes for a harder story for them to tell, but I don't think it indicates any like deep weakness. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I think people I've talked to like I'm on both sides of the of the of the notch because like the iPhone X, right? They wanted a full screen yeah. uh, display, right? But then they needed, and then they thought like, well, we need to separate ourselves. Like I felt like this is the first time that Apple is playing. Um, uh, since Steve Jobs is playing um, a little fearful, if you will, and that they've given up on the thumbprint sensor and they're going with face recognition technology, right? So they're like, 
we need to have this and we need to move away and start doing you know full screen technology and so we need to combine them and so so it comes up with this notch right so it's like the the right. hardware cannot be hidden you know it'd be awesome if it was like hidden behind the screen somehow and shot through the the screen and that'd be pretty pretty awesome that'd be like that'd be pretty that, insane that'd yeah be pretty pretty sci-fi that'd be the hollywood thing to do but uh so so there's compromise of actually like of like it's embedding the uh the, the notch. I, I I think about those terms. I still I just crack up. I was like, okay, guys, how about this? We merge them together, uh, and uh, so it looks kind of like this like notch, right? Everyone talks about notch, and um, the thing that kind of upsets me is that if you, as a designer, and you know, we're doing responsive web design, we have to add more like meta tags and HTML to work around how we want our websites to correspond with this one device, right? And then my other point of view is like. I really enjoy that because it's we're designing for something that's not boxy. That's yeah. like we're like we have we have this like issue that we have to design around, and that got me thinking about how we need design for accessibility people like with, with who have visibility issues where they can't see things you know when like you know in front of their their vision is blocked in the center but they can see on the outside or they have vision mm -hmm. problems on the outside so they have like. They can see perfectly, you know, center and focus. So I felt like, oh, this is great because it it really fo focuses uh, people to design and code things for different uh, devices. And so, uh, so that's what got me excited. And so, um, and so I'm really kind of happy for for the notch and some of that. I'm not too pleased, you know. So I, I've asked like between those two, like, I'm not really too right. happy with the design solution because people would like more like want to like, have an Android or Samsung solution where like they just. You know, they just go all the way to the full screen and then they just stop, you know, at the last like, you know, half half a centimeter and then like then they right. fake it like it's all wrap around or something like that. So well, uh, I mean I, I think Apple wanted to make this its own thing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this was an easy way to do that, relatively speaking. Um the notch, I mean I, I I'm with you on the um it gives us different things to design for that aren't just traditional boxes. No. The the CSS spec, you know, they added stuff for circular design because of watches. Um, I think I think there are a lot of opportunities for the CSS crowd to say, okay, we've broken out of the rectangle, we have the circle, we have this notch thing. What does a general solution look like? Um, you know, I think the kind of the donut design you're talking about where people can't see the center of focus right. um, is another thing that they absolutely should take up if they haven't already. Um, and I remember seeing something done with the circular CSS that was, that was about that. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe it's, maybe it's underway. Um, I wasn't really thrilled with like the, it seemed kind of like an afterthought, these like CSS properties that Apple threw into uh, Safari mm -hmm. to deal with it. It's like, yeah, this will take care of it all. You don't even need to think about it exactly. No. Um, there's a place for that, but I wish it was a bigger conversation. Um, we'll see. I mean, the, the other funny thing is my, my wife is like using, wrote a grocery list yesterday on this pad of iPad design paper that I have mm -hmm. from like 2012. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's this very small, small thing, uh, very iPhone. Um, and I was sort of looking at that and going, hmm, well, I guess the notch wouldn't affect the grocery list, but everything else is different. Yeah. Um, 
I'm just remembering the good old days when we used to just like take a pad of paper with the shape of the one true iPhone and like <laughs> sketch on it. And this is what my app's going to be. Right. And we did real business that way. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I was talking to, uh, uh, a, I'm not sure I should use his name or not, but uh, a, a very well-respected web developer last week and we we're just talking about web design and everything like that and just like he made a comment that made me give me pause it was like yeah the way we design sites at 2012 doesn't work anymore i was like that was like five years i guess it's been five years yeah. since response to web design i was like yeah i guess you're right i guess it's all like you know just just well, weird bundles spewed all over the place right and it's just broken down and reconstituted and transpiled and I was thinking about that again because I just watched What Comes Next is the Future again. Yeah. Um, got to see see you again in that. Um, and, you know, the 2012 shift was gigantic. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there are still people who are figuring out responsive web design. It's five years later and it's still not, you know, completely digested. Um, I think, though, that, like, it is such a better foundation for having the rest of the conversation about, like, weird shapes and strange designs and um than what we had before um i'm still feeling i'm still feeling good about all of the the last round of change um maybe some reason will come that you know obviously we should all be using swift or something um (laughs) to change the way i look at this um but you know i mean imagine if the notch had appeared in 2011 what would we have done i don't know panic yeah i don't think uh well, I don't think the hardware was ready for it, uh, technically, right? I don't think the screens were ready for it. Like the, the screens were like, yeah. I, I get what you're saying though, like like the exercise though, but yeah, I, I just think people would have rejected it outright, right? I think it would have been like a web TV type of situation where like, yeah, it works, but like, I don't know. I don't yeah. Know. So, but um, but yeah, I, I could see that, but uh, but yeah, I think there's definitely been some training with dealing with the iPhone for so long. And people have to like come with this new, yeah, new thing. So yeah, but yeah, I don't know. But yeah, that's my that's my knee jerk reaction. Like, Actually, my other knee jerk reaction is all these people who've gotten so used to designing for the iPhone and they like designing for the iPhone and they forget there are other mobile devices. Mm-hmm. Their mobile device just broke on them, so <laughs> right. they'll have to figure it out. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and it's just like I don't know. This, we can go all the discussion about like progressive web apps and like what does that mean and and. Um, and like, do we need websites to look appy? Like, like when is it is it terrible just to have a website that has like HTML and CSS? You know, is that that is that bad? Like, I don't know. So, it can probably navigate the notch better in some ways. <laughs> well, definitely because you just put in meta tag and you're done. You know, you don't have to like, deal with it. So, yeah, but then you have your notch. Like, oh, my animations aren't working. My React app. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, yeah. So okay, awesome. So. Uh, the next story, number four, is the Equifax branch, uh, breach, uh, branch, uh, has ex- been explained. So, yeah, so pers- basically everyone in America, every adult yeah. uh, who has a credit history uh, is affected by this. And they just, they knew about it, I would say July is like when they knew about it. But they were, yeah. apparently the... Uh, News is starting. It's ha- you know, the news itself happened a while ago, but now they're starting to uh, 
news is starting to trickle out. I think as lawsuits happen and uh, yeah, fighting, yeah, yeah, hearings happen and stuff. And so what's happened is that uh, um, they were told, Equifax, he was told of you know Apache software. I think it's called Affected Apache Struts. Yep. Uh, and they were told March 9th that there was a problem and you have 48 hours to fix it. Um, and so that didn't happen. And so well, they say that was one person. It's all, it's all one person who they wouldn't name. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not how security works, but okay. Yeah. Exactly. So, so they knew about the problem, but they didn't solve it until July 29th, which if you figure it out, that's longer than 48 hours. If you do the math, right. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so it took them a while to fix it. And so, uh, so they said that it was a mixture of human error and technology, which I was like, well, I don't know who makes technology like, <laughs> so I don't know. It's like, maybe it's the robots that have taken over, but, uh, I don't know. So. Everything is a mixture of human error and technology. <laughs> in this right. space. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, I mean, partly I think it sort of emphasizes how we've built systems that we just don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seems to be a business model rather than a bug. Um, I, it just keeps growing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not to let Equifax off the hook in the least, but the whole Yahoo 3 billion accounts thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, like, seriously? Mm-hmm. Um I guess they changed their name to Oath for Oath of Silence or something. I don't know. Um, it's basically it's going to be the recurring, the recurring nightmare uh, for probably the next five to ten years until we come up with models that actually uh, work and that people will bother to implement. Right. Um, you know, I was. When, when, when the Snowden stuff was first coming out, I was like, finally, this will make people care about security and they'll fix things. And it did, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then Yahoo, and then this, and then and I, I'm skipping over like <laughs> 50 different, you know, major breaches in that listing. Right. Um, I don't know. I mean, some of this plays into like international stuff. Like I've, I've seen rumors that like the Chinese were behind the Equifax hack and um, they were looking for high value people's information and the rest of us don't need to worry. And I've also seen something that it was the Ukrainians or the Russians. I think it depends on which political opinion you have of those two places, which one it must have been. Um, I just, you know, we're in a place where we've built these really uh, important tools and we have no clue at all how to defend them. Um and, you know, I mean, my personal response at this point is just to try to give out less and less information. Right. Um, you know, I turned off the let any credit card company see my credit rating thing like a decade ago, basically to reduce my load of junk mail. Um, and I'm really glad I did that. But, um, yeah, this could get more and more exciting. Right. Well, I think uh, the Equifax, I'm going to uh, I'm going to don't want to demean or lessen the fact of Yahoo's 3 billion <laughs> uh, like status, like security breach. But I feel like, you know, those are accounts. And so you don't necessarily have 3 billion people putting uh, important information on those accounts. Right. Um, they could buy something and so that, but like, right. um, I'm pretty sure like, you know, it's, it's good, but like the, th- like close to 300 million people, like maybe 150 million people, adults, 
uh, or 200 adults, you know, I'm not sure what the exact number is, for the equal facts. I mean, that's like their credit rating, which, you know, that's pretty much like the money that is the internet is about your credit and you're yeah. buying a home, buying a car. If you, if you're millennial, I don't know if you don't need those things anymore, but uh, you know, those are things that are very important um, to go to deal with your life. So it just, uh, but yeah, I mean, I see a future where like maybe uh, a culture, I'm not sure I don't see it anytime soon, but like, you know, if you buy a technology product, you actually have to have like a security, uh, you know, uh, you know, third party reviewed like hey this your 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 information is secure because you have like x widget security you know foil stamp approval on it or whatever like that so where maybe maybe it's like it's a known commodity that we have like oh this has like this level grade of security this product but this product over here has this bigger right. grade so but in but yeah but security is just really hard to like nail down because i mean like the internet like sometimes if you start building for the internet i think you just realize like Especially if you talk about like servers, you talk about email, keeping in touch with emails to like, you know, I just realized like how like crazy it all works, right? Like it's amazing it works. Yeah. Uh, and that the, then you say, okay, now secure it. Like, oh, uh, what? Secure <laughs> which part of what that's where? Right. I mean, there, there are other options. I mean, we could go for like the radical transparency approach. Like in Norway, you can basically see anybody's tax forms. Mm-hmm. Um, that. I don't think would go over very well in the U.S., but you know that might be one place we end up for lack of any other options. Um, the, you know, for me, a lot of it comes down to the social social security was not designed to be an identification system. And the cards all used to say like this is not for identification, um, and then it sort of became like an identification token. Mm-hmm. Um, got collected into baskets by these lovely credit agency people with all your other information. Um, I don't, I don't think there's any quick way to like restructure how all of that stuff works, but we definitely need to be having the conversation. And that's like a, that's more of a social conversation than a technical one. That's not about Apache struts. That's about why are we doing things this way? Does this really make sense? Um, and then, yeah, absolutely, we have to have the the security conversation and try to make it so that, you know, the entire system doesn't fall because one guy didn't apply a patch. That doesn't seem <laughs> yeah. doesn't seem like teamwork anyway. I don't yeah, know. Exactly. <laughs> it's like you have one guy on security? That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I just felt like, but to get to your point, like I just don't feel like that conversation is going to happen, but at the same time, I'm willing to entertain like how that conversation could happen because... I felt like with Bush and the Patriot Act, right? Right. I thought like, okay, you know, whatever side your politics falls on, let's have this conversation. And it turned into politics, right? It just, it just, it like you're pretty much like, you know, one side of the party, like one party said this, one party said that. I was like, well, we're not really actually having a really great discussion. We're having a discussion about, you know, power plays right now. And so. Well, the other thing is the Patriot Act got, sort of weird because I mean on the one hand it's about like surveillance and everything mm-hmm. that brings with it. On the other hand, a lot of it is just plain paperwork. Right. Um so like I you know, I work on finances for a nonprofit, which means that I'm regularly shipping the chair the letter she has to sign to say that we're not sending money to terrorist organizations. Mm-hmm. Um we could do that with credit reports. We could make Equifax sign something. Mm-hmm. But in fact they're actually selling all of our data anyway. The tricky part here is that it all got away with from them in one giant batch for free. Um, I just, 
I, uh, I don't know where to start. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So if we don't know where to start, then I don't know, then for sure as heck, uh, the people who we vote for office aren't going to know for sure where to start. No. So, so that's the problem right there. Well, that's a fun topic. Let's just move on. <laughs> rage. <laughs> it's like rage. I'm going to flip this table. Let's talk about papyrus again. That was kind of nice. That was, that was karma actually. <laughs> Number three. So uh, next story is that uh, uh, Jeff Koons is is back in the art world again. Uh, Snapchat's going to put Jeff Koons' art into augmented reality, which is pretty awesome. So, and um, I, go ahead. Well, it's, it's interesting because it's like it feels to me like a very first step kind of thing you can do. Mm. Um, I mean, I so I. I don't know. I have kind of a conflicted history with augmented reality. I went to a conference in Orlando in like 2008 mm-hmm. when it was really clearly just way too early for all of these things. People had amazing visions. Right. Um, my favorite one was one where they'd taken, you know, those like big binocular machines they have where you put a quarter in and you can like look at Niagara Falls or something. They, they took one of those and they filled the guts with a computer and, you know, they could tell which way it was pointing. They knew the original location. So they could do a really nice job superimposing at an archaeological site what they think the original buildings looked like. Right. Um, and these days, you know, you don't need that. Um, you don't need the binocular size machine. You can do it in your phone. And this is awesome. Um, but I feel like we haven't really figured out in most cases what to put on the screen, what the augmentation should be. Mm-hmm. Um I, I like the illustration they have of the uh, balloon dog in, uh, I'm pretty sure this is Central Park. Um, I, I'm sort of wondering, you know, are people going to be able to play with the balloon dog? Oh, are nice. Are you be able yeah. to, like, walk up to it and bounce it around? Are you going to be able to walk through it? What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and actually, in a lot of ways, Jeff Koons is, like, the perfect person to start with for this because his art, I'm trying to figure out how to say this nicely. Um it, it doesn't seem like it would be a problem to walk through his art. Right. Um, I don't think he would take offense. Right. Um, but you know, this is, this is like a, a cool first, let's, let's do this funky thing. Let's see if we can create some surprises. Hmm. Um, you know, I kind of wonder, like, am I just going to take out my phone and turn on an app and start looking at the world through it to see if like artwork appears? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I might, I might do that in Central Park if I know there's something to see. I might do that in a museum. Museums have been doing this pretty actively. Um, but, yeah, and what if I want Jeff Koons, like, while I'm on the subway? Can 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 my, can my Jeff Koons' installations suddenly appear in the middle of my subway car? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be... So. Well, like, I remember my first augmented reality app was... Uh, it was a game. It was, like, a ghost-catching mm-hmm. game. And so, you like, you basically look through your... Your, and it is the very variations of this game I've, I've right. but like you just look through your iPhone and you say oh if there's a ghost and you go go cat, catch it and you're like oh that was pretty nice and so um, and so now you have like the Pokemon Go craze that happened and so people and that, that was a great thing because people actually got outside and started talking to each other and, and it was really just a crazy phenomenon and um, so that's pretty good but uh, but you haven't really seen that uh, and I like where Jeff Koons is going and so my favorite Jeff Koons artwork is the uh, Michael Jack, the gold Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. and and Bubbles statue. That's my favorite one of them. I would so I would love to see not a life size augmented reality version of that, but just like this huge, 
just gloriously huge Michael Jackson gold thing in Central Park. That'd be pretty awesome. I think be pretty good. But uh, but yeah, but I but seeing artwork and just appreciating that artwork that'd be pretty good. But I feel like today's kids, you know, they they'll need more than just just to see see it. But so I like your idea of interacting with like a like a giant balloon dog. That'd be pretty. That'd be pretty awesome. That really. You could do interesting things. You could have it set up so that, like, they find the giant balloon dog. Mm-hmm. They take a picture of it that lets them take the giant balloon dog home and, you know, mm-hmm. put it in their living room and look at it there through this same thing. Um, you could have the giant Michael Jackson and you could have a, a living room sized Michael Jackson for your own home. Yeah. Well, that'd be good. Yeah. Cause then you could take a, it'd be awesome. You could take a selfie with your own yeah. camera. Like, you just have the, figure it out and then like take a selfie right. and then you can actually have it printed and mailed to your, your house as a postcard. And then you can frame that. That'd be kind of cool. And they're like, yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. But, uh, yeah. So that'd be I, like, I, like a, a virtual art now physical representation in your house. I, I feel like these are still like the super duper tiny baby steps for what's possible, mm-hmm. but they're a lot more interesting than they could have been. So I'll take it. Well, like my, my thing with augmented reality, I feel like it's almost like a my approach so far, like in terms of what I would like to do with it, has been sort of like a Chrome extension. You remember like you like you know author style sheets like, or like you know I could, if if there's a website I have a problem with, I can just write my own CSS and yeah. fix fix the issues, right? So like, and uh, well, they apparently they took the took it away. Browsers because no one writes it, whatever. whatever. But I digress. But uh, so now you have to write a Chrome extension. Uh, if you want to fix websites that you feel like are broken, but I feel like the same kind of uh, analogy is like with augmented reality, where like <laughs> if the space I'm working with has a terrible uh, wayfinding or terrible directions, that I can actually in- inject and say, "Hey, this is where you need to go. This is what the solution is to this problem." And um, th- for places that are s- fixed in spots, you know, spot a time and stuff like that too. So, and I, you know. And then you get to the whole like Star Trek sci-fi things of of it becoming real where like you write this program on how to, you know, augment your reality, that space, the physical space is gone, like nuked or whatever. And then like you come back, you know, like a million years later, hey, what happened? Like, oh, what was your augmented reality program? Telling me where the nearest McDonald's is. And like so yeah, that'd be kind of so yeah, there you go. So there you go. There's your Star Trek story. Oh, with your McDonald's uh commercial thrown in many good possibilities yeah awesome so number two oh yeah and so speaking of phone uh phones there's a new lg smartphone keeps mosquitoes away and so this is actually uh i think it was based in india right i think it was yeah There, there are places where this is more important my main concern is that like those ultrasonic things have never worked for me on any level yeah they don't work at all (laughs) <laughs> Maybe Indian mosquitoes don't like ultrasonic. Mm-hmm. Mine do. Mine don't seem to care. So, right. um, yeah, I, I, I think it's awesome that we have these like little devices that we can carry around with us that have batteries in them, and we could probably do a lot more with them. Right. Um, kind of guessing this isn't the one. Right. I mean, you could do like a high frequency like dog whistle, right, and then put that into your into your phone. And then um, that'd be kind of cool. Like if you, it, if you want, make like, all the neighborhood dogs go crazy. Yeah, if you want to, yeah, that'd be great. Or you just make an air horn, air horn. Bah, 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 bah. So, there you go. <laughs> that'd be kind of cool. Okay. Number one. Uh, next story is the uh, 
Scientists win Nobel Prize for explaining our body's internal clock. Yeah, this one kind of surprised me because I didn't realize the clock went quite that deep into the chemistry. Um, I mean, I knew it had to, but this is like much finer green all through us, not just like some clock in our brain. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know how you would have figured that out. Yeah. I'm happy. It's totally cool. What are these genes doing for us? <laughs> yeah. So there's a, there's a PDF explanation of like, you know, at the Nobel prize website that explains like why they get the Nobel prize. And so it's as much fun as reading as you would think. And so, but, uh, but so you need some concentration to, to get, to get through it, but it looks, it's really great. It's like turns, it turns about like, you know, you know, a uh, low body temperature, or like, you know, fastest reaction times, best coordination and high alertness. It doesn't tell you anything about coffee and how that relates as, and no. <laughs> so that's the bad part there. So, but. well, I think the, you know, at the coffee, we're trying to override these much more basic mechanisms and that's part of why it doesn't really work. Um, I mean, I, I joke that I can get jet lag without changing time zones. Uh, maybe my cells have other issues. Um, but yeah, this is, this is the kind of stuff that makes me think, Hmm, maybe we are related to plants. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Well, I did see a documentary about like, you know, it was about anti-meat about vegetarian, but, uh, but basically they said like our teeth, like, yeah, they have incisors, but the, our incisors are like not that big for tearing meat. And so that uh, they're really more for crunching down grains more so than than eating uh, meat. And so that was kind of like a weird thing. So uh, not a weird thing, but just an interesting point that they were trying to make. Uh, but yeah, but yeah. So maybe maybe there is we are more related to plants than uh, we than, think. Yeah, exactly. So we're eating our cousins again. Okay. Um, yeah, the other thing that's had me wondering was you know, like, are we really the only creatures that? that mess with time zones in this way. I mean, I guess we must be birds migrate, but not nearly at the rate that we, uh, mm. even take a train. So, right. Well, there was a study that said like, uh, ants, I'm not sure if you remember the story or not, but I have to go dig it up and put it in our show notes. But, uh, mm -hmm. but ants, they, uh, some scientists took an ant from one part of the world and got another ant column, like a few ants from another column. And basically ants, they have their own kind of language in terms of, of interacting with each other. And so he just took these two separate ants from two physical locations and he got them together and they started talking right away. And the only way he could realize that is like one, you know, maybe someone picked him up and like carried him over there and they're like some lost cousins or whatever, like, like I said, but, right. uh, but then he's like, well, this is a conspiracy theory that I liked, like, no, well, not conspiracy, but like his, <laughs> his theory is that, uh, I guess he's a scientist. He actually has a, you know, the attack on conspiracy, but, uh, this theory is that uh, there's actually this vast ant network throughout the whole entire world. And uh, if you think cockroaches are bad, you know, okay. when, and, uh, and I will give you my bias is like, I absolutely, I can't say this out loud, but uh, I'm going to just, I hate ants. Like, so, so. Uh, you live in Texas. This is less surprising. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, so, so there's this vast around the world, your ants are talking to each other. And so maybe they maybe they, they figure out time zones. So maybe, yeah. Wow. Well, I'm impressed that they can just like strike up conversation. Right. Yeah. Right. Maybe you know, maybe they have a universal translator. I guess I don't know. But uh, but yeah. But basically, like other ants, he said, like you know, they were just if you get other ants, 
from other areas. Like they probably won't talk to each other, but he was like, just like dumbfounded about how like these ants can talk to each other. So interesting. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about bees too, but that's okay. Yeah. For the future. Well, you're a beekeeper, so that makes sense. So, but yeah. Yes. Well, now I'm wondering if my three hives out front are conspiring against me, but probably not. They are. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, awesome. Well, thanks for for being on the show, Simon. Where can people find out more about you? Uh, my ancient dead website is simonstl.com. I'm on Twitter at simonstl. Um, usually if it's Simon St. L, it's me. Okay. Um, I'm going to be doing more stuff on LinkedIn soon too. So right. we'll see. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks uh, for being on the show. I appreciate it as always. Always happy. Thanks.